ebook blind spot by Grace Karim Jones Jr. Everyone supported the Martian program until it struck home. Johnny Stark, director of the Department of Interplanetary Relations for Mars Settlement One, which read the final paragraph of the note which he found at his desk upon returning from lunch earlier in the day and in that day his eyes flickered rapidly of the mostly smeared martial scrawl, ignoring the bitterness directed at him but in the first paragraph he's vaguely troubled by the last sentences but hadn't been able to pin the feeling down our civilization predates that of earth's by millions of years we are advanced peaceful race yet since earth's first rocket landed here thirteen years ago we haven't been haven't looked back we've been looked upon as freaks and concurrently called bug men behind our backs this is our planet. We gave our fire, advanced knowledge and science freely, so the earth would be a better place. We asked nothing in return, but we were rewarded by having forced upon us foreign ideas of government, religion and behaviour. Our protests have been silenced by an armed police and punitive system. We've never been before needed. Someday you will awaken to this injustice. You will awaken to this justice. On that day in your life, you have my sympathy and my pity. Dark knew that the settlement's investigation lab could readily determine the identity of the Martian. He read a note, but he hesitated to send it over. Under the new system, such troublemakers were banished to save labour details of the pre- precious earth mines to the north. Crumbling the note into sudden dis- in sudden decision, Stark dropped it into the office incendiary tube. The morning visa report was shown that there were only more than 17,000 workers on the mines, only five in earthlings. Let the armed police system find the Martian for their own channels. It wasn't his job. Glance at the solar clock so far will remind him there was still time for one more interview. For the last bounce, he impatiently signalled his secretary to send in the waiting couple. Orderly, he liked his work, and time meant little to him. He jumped from interpreter to director. In ten years since the department had been created, but this day was different. Dark was to announce his engagement to Chief's monthly dinner party. That another evening, and time had come to drag. So he had seen to drag it since his lunch with Carol. When the door opened, he rose and nodded to plump, freckled faced woman, a faced girl who entered. Girl dropped top five feet by one or two inches. But she's no taller than the Martian men who followed her and preceded four feet. When the bow of the girl had seated herself, Dark and the Martian sat down. Dark opened the folder, which his secretary placed on his desk earlier. Your names are Ruth and Randolph Garrett. You want permission to move into housing perimeter D. In really formality, since her information was in the folder. When the girl nodded, Dark named a small check mark. Based a full check mark. The place beyond the beside name. He turned to Martian, the large, single red eye set above in the Martian's smooth green forehead. Above the two brown ones, blinked twice before he answered. He definitely he spoke dif, 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 deliberately. As required of all Martians and the new system, I have taken the name of one of the earth, early earthlings to write and pronounce. The large red eye blinked again. My wife would like to move into the housing department of D. By relation, I wish with respect to wish. Dark placed a check mark by the Martian's name. He wiped the smudge of ink off his hand and said, 
You both knew, of course, that Premier D, the other couples have intermarried. Are you about, about to have offspring? The girl and Martin nodded. The girl passed. Smart, start a medical report. Stark looked upon the report and made a notation, a small pink slip. He said, this permits certificates. They all were able to move from perimeter E to department housing perimeter D. He also sacrificed that your husband has had no record of a troublemaker. Stark looked at the girl. You understand that you may visit your friends in perimeter E, but by law you are not allowed to enter perimeter D. Visit you. Of course, the new law clearly states that either of you may visit earthlings in housing the perimeter A, B, or C. They all looked down at her hands. Her voice was un- in- almost suitable. My husband and I are familiar with the advantages, disadvantages listed under the section, permitting intermarriage in a new law. Mr. Dark, thank you. Stark rose as they left for a brief moment. He thought he detected a sense of rebellion in attitude. But that was not possible. The new law provided equality at all. The department had been created or iron out relations between the two races. Setting complaints orientated by troublemakers for the purpose of weakening the new system. Such cases and investigations stepped in. The Martian earthly troublemaker had been sent to the warrior earth mines. Reddish light filtering in through the quartz and light wall. Versus showed it's almost time for the last bell. On the street below, shoppers are streaming out of the stores, away to the various housing permits. Permitters. Earthlings have climbed into speedy little jet cars, the short trips were recently demonetized. In earned perimeters, Martians are waiting for the slower autobuses. The traffic problem had been solved, and a new system by restricting the use of Martian built jet cars, persons living in the inter- Perimeters. They start watch a jet black car impatiently huddled out of line of traffic, bowled through a crowd of Martians waiting for an autobus, and skilled to stop at a curb in front of the building. A tall girl got out, the red evening glow reflecting from her golden hair made a breathing globe, almost amber. Male Martians and earthlings alike turned to stare in appreciation. She pushed away through the crowd. The building's compressor looked. <coughs> Carol was that kind of girl. <coughs> Almost to that exact moment that Carol opened the door to Smart's office, the yellow visor screen of the local voice box upon Star's page flashed brilliantly, and Chef's booming voice filled the chief's booming voice filled the office. Light from the screen picked up the headlights. The fashion gave us shallow, greenish scars. The Stark's features. Carol stepped back into the doorway to shut out of range, the two-way unit. Stark, the intermetic tuner, the box corrected to bring the cheese for image to wire sharp focus. <coughs> yes, sir? About the dinner tonight. Just checking to make sure you're planning to be there. You want a full turnout. The inspection team has come up from Earth. We're two, we're two visiting directories. Stark nodded and waited for the chief to say something else. But Visa's screen blanked out. Carol said, that was dead, wasn't it? Stark felt very depressed suddenly. Haven't you told him yet? No. Been tied up with inspectors all afternoon. You know what that is, Johnny. There's, there's right and the wrong time to tell him things. Right now, he's only interested in hearing about Earth. 
But we're supposed to be announced our engagement, and tonight at dinner, he shook his head. We can't go on forever, just a few stolen moments here and there, eating an occasional lunch or third meal together, a little out of the way places. Carol laughed a youthful swell of her breasts, almost against the soft-spun glass material of her blouse. Don't worry, so Johnny. I'm a big girl now. It's my 18th birthday. Dad, bark is worse. Worse than his bite. I'll tell him about us on the way home. She moved closer to him. Until he could feel the warmth of her body, he could see the warm, damp indentation of breathing globe that rested against her shoulder and chest, his shoulders and chest. He asked, he asked teasingly, what did you get me for my birthday, Johnny? Something real nice? What did you get? Once, Johnny asked her gently. And suddenly she wasn't teasing anymore. She put her arms around him. Dad and my brother would say I'm crazy, but I want, all I want, Johnny, is you. Does you, you know that? Stark had picked out a birthday present. A birthday present. He wanted it to be a surprise for her that night. He said, I already saw one of the pre- your presents, a jet black car. How did you drive, know that? I saw you drive it up in a few, uh, up in a few minutes ago. Carol giggled. Dad gave it to me. Dad, did you see me plough through the crowd in the middle of us? Did your brother send you something, anything? She nodded. Freeing the outfits from Earth. They came on the other same liner. They brought the inspection team to the settlement this morning. Oh, yes, and the captain on the liner brought me this. She showed him a tiny pin she wore attached to her collar. The pin itself is a careful, wrought, but cruel character, a local bud-like creature. Small ruby set in the centre of its face, so as its eyes. Stark frowned, Carol, you should be wearing that. You reached up and unpinned it. That's the sort of thing our department is fighting. But the captain said it was the latest rage back on Earth. It even made toys like it. I'm sure they're not designed to poke fun at anyone. Stark started to say something. But Lars Bell interrupted him. He said, if you're going to take your father home and tell him about us before the dinner, you better hurry. I'm coming. I'll come home. I'll come early. Carol kissed him and said goodbye. She felt the pin Carol's desk smile at him. She closed the door. She left the pin on Dark's desk and she smiling at him. She closed the door. After waiting till the first rush of workers and gone and the building was quiet, Dark caught the elevator down. Other lights and the compressor lock was reflected in twin rows of breathless robes. The tinted ones had been used by Martians. The building the clear ones were used by Earthmen. They were outside the Martian atmosphere. Dark stopped in a little open shop down one of the many side streets. The sign said close, but he rang the bell until a small, two little dried up Martian appeared. The shopkeeper handed him a small box. Stark opened it to examine the ring. Carol's birthday present, a small, large diamond set in tiny, thin, precious metal, a band dated back to an old but forgotten custom, but in earth, start for the engagement ring. Would please, Carol, alone. Standing in the compressor locker, lock, and she's at home later, Stark rum, rub, rubbed the diamond against the sleeve of his tunic. He fumbled with his breathing globe, then pushed the button that activated the door. The teleguard beyond the opening door scanning rapidly. As he stepped forward, a red light above the teleguard flashed on the door, then the road closed again. 
Dart threw all his strength against the door and squeezed through and through into the house. Throughout the house, Dart could hear the alarm bell. A tape voice activated by Teleguard said, Do not enter, do not enter. He found Carol and the chief in the library alone. Leap over the rage, the chief drew himself up his full six feet. The chief bellowed, Dark, are you crazy? A grinding feeling of sickness spread through Stark. Who do you think you are? The chief yelled. Get back to your office and consider yourself under arrest, Troublemaker. Give me an inch and you'll try to walk away with everything. Why, I wouldn't let you touch my daughter if you were the last living being in the universe. Carol didn't look up. She stood still. Stood. They all suddenly for moving. Dark knew where his blind spot had been. He turned and left them. I just thought. Oh well. Back in his office, he waited for the police. Stark settled down, stared down at his reflection, polished top of the desk. A yellow noise film of sweat covered his face. A red eye set in the force cage blinked, but the pain visible just behind the surface of the eye had not was not over Carol himself. The pain was not what you've seen for the first time now. What for? What are you seeing for the first time now? What, 